This is Clockwise, a podcast from the editors of PC World, Macworld, and Tech Hive for the week of October 13, 2013. Clockwise, four guests, four topics, 30 minutes live in a room. Bienvenue à Clockwise, le podcast qui est toujours en français. That's oh, French. That's, that's what French. Was that? Man, I'm sorry. I, I'm not used to being in this country where we speak different languages. What do you think we're in, like Canada or something? I do. They speak French in Canada. I thought they like said a a lot. I don't know. They speak French here in Montreal. In Montreal, where we are. Uh, so we're back for another episode of Clockwise, and I would like to introduce our first guest, MacWorld Associate Editor Serenity Caldwell. Hello, Dan. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me in this lovely, lovely old world city. And of course, I'm Jason Snell sitting across from Dan and sitting to my right. And it's not a virtual right. He's actually here. It's a special. It's our first non-staff guest to Clockwise. It's Renee Ritchie from iMore. Hi, Renee. Uh, salut, Jason. Merci, merci beaucoup. I don't, they're French. I don't understand the it's French. It's not French. It's Quebecer. Because if I go to Paris, they'll switch to English. All right. Fair enough. That seems smart. All right. So. Dan, how does this work? We do it in French. Are we doing every other question? Everything must be bilingual today. Four topics. Four topics. Each topic we get to address for five minutes between the four of us. Yes. Each of us has brought a topic that we want to discuss. Um, That's and we, good. We don't, we don't want to waste people's time, so this will be nice and speedy. Yeah, it's going to be less than 30 minutes. It might even be a lot less than 30 minutes, because <laughs> we've never done anything like this Well, live. we've never done it like this in this lovely setting All right. before. All right, I, Dan, brought, I brought a topic. Dan, you're, as, as the guy who spoke the French at the beginning, you get to go first. <laughs> my topic is in French. No. Um, my topic is the temptations of car technology. I, I drove up here to Montreal, and um, when you're on the road... You, you get bored sometimes, right? You listen to music and things like that. You talk to people if they're in the car, but sometimes they're boring people. Um, and it's like, well, oh, man, I wish I kind of knew what was, uh, what was going on. Or you get an email and something like that. And Siri is pretty good about dealing with things like that. You can, ask her, you can ask her to read your email. You can respond to text to a certain extent. But I feel like it's still kind of, there's got to be a better way to do the car technology. I find myself lusting after that iOS in the car implementation, but I can't get it because it's like I need to buy a whole new car. Um, and so I'm curious, how do you deal with the distractions? Do you, do you just not, like, I'm not going to look at my phone at all. Do you use Siri? Do you have some other solution for dealing with, with tech, tech stuff when you're in the car? But Renee, what do you think about that? Uh, I have a car that was the year before all the fancy integration became available in cars. So, like, there's no Bluetooth. It does have the iPod connector kit, which is only barely supported now. Which is great. <laughs> I have one of those, but it's only a 30-pin connector, and I have no devices left with a 30-pin. <laughs> I put the adapter on it, but it's just so short that, that you have to go, like, go to the passenger side and put the phone in, which is good because I can't see it when I'm driving, so I'm less distracted. But reaching for Siri is really annoying. But like you, I use Siri, and I've, I've tried Ford Sync, and I've tried the QNX systems, and they're not, they're not good. I mean, they're okay, but they're, it's like putting a layer of concrete on top of a really nice garden. Um, and I'm really hoping iOS in the car is a better solution. I mean, I just even want the thing where I can press a button on my like car dash and have it bring up Siri because I can't even do that. I have a the car. My car has a built-in voice like recognition system of its own, which is terrible, and that like reads off to you main menu. The following options are, and I'm like cancel, cancel, cancel. It's annoying, Jason. Yeah, I uh, likewise. I, I have. I wish I had just that button that would get Siri to work because right now it's this um, weird amalgam of like Bluetooth and 
you know, I, I trigger Siri and is it coming? Oh no, but I was listening to the radio and my, my phone is trying to go through the Bluetooth on my stereo, but it's not turned to that setting, so I can't hear anything. So the maps directions don't work and Siri is talking to nobody's listening and it's a it's a why mess. haven't you turned right, Jason? Why? <laughs> right. So disappointed in you. Yeah, it's 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 a total mess. So I you know, I I'm happy to use like Bluetooth for audio, that's mm-hmm. sort of my victory. Sure. Um, and that's okay. But the rest of it, it's really frustrating. I also wish, like, um, you know, iTunes in the car, I, I, or iOS in the car, or whatever it is, I I want to, I want things like, I've got a screen in my in my car that um, I'd like to be able to put more interesting data on so that it's, gla- it's glanceable, at least. And I know people are like, well, no, you should never look at the screens in your car. Well, You're there are anyways. interface screens in the car. That's uh, Basic information might actually be better rather than having people fumble for stuff. It's something with a usable interface because my car interface right. is terrible. Right, right. And especially if you're a passenger, too, to have, have that. I mean, that, and that is, you were asking what my solution is. My solution is to always have a buddy. And they can look at my phone for me and tell me what's going on. Well, you've got two kids, so that, that works out well, right? You just delegate one of them. I will occasionally text my wife when she's driving the car, and um, and I can tell if it's my daughter replying back, because the replies, just, the replies have strangely way more emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell that my wife's assistant is responding the to the and The Chekhov and the position in the car. Yes. yes. I was having a conversation with Dave Hamilton last night about this, where... I would love to be able to access Siri in my car without holding up my phone or pressing it and waiting for the Bluetooth to to come on, but I want my phone to be as far away from me as possible because Siri right now is good, but she's not good enough. And there are so many times, especially with my, uh, I have aftermarket Bluetooth in my car because it's an old fuddy-duddy that has no screen. Me too. So when I press Siri, sometimes I'll be like, tell Dan I'm going to be late to the movies. And it comes out with, tell man... It's time to go back to something. And it's like... Would you like me to send this text to Merlin, man? No. <laughs> sure. Yes. It's like, yes, Merlin will be very, very confused as to why I'm Rip, sending him a text I, message. I've done play, play artist so-and-so, and it's been, okay, I'll call this guy. I'm like, no, 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 no I don't know. I say play no. something, and it'll, like, I don't see that game on your iPhone. Yeah, I'm like, no, uh, it's yeah. a song. You should know this. So sometimes I will get so frustrated, especially, you know, sitting in traffic in Boston. It's a lot of time where it's very slow, and you're like, oh, well, I have two seconds. I can just, you know, tap to edit and fix this. And before you know it, you've spent 10 seconds looking at your phone and you're like, what am I doing? And you throw it across the other side of the passenger because it's like, you just don't want to be looking at your phone when you're driving machinery. You you need to not be looking at your phone. That's the key here. When Siri... We need a better way to to do it. At the the risk of sounding buzzwordy, this is a field that is ripe for disruption. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody should pivot. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm I'm with all you guys. I I think it's annoying and I, I wish it were better and in some ways I would love to see Apple take a more proactive role which they're starting to do but since you have to wait for the car companies to integrate stuff it's just it's they're going to drag their feet and it's going to be slow so glad we solved that problem yeah, Renee did I'm you uh, we know we sprung this on you a little bit do you, have a, do you have a topic or something you like to talk about I would like to talk about data roaming because every year I go to the US and I have to spend a fortune on data when I go to WWC or Macworld Sorry, I, Speaking I of data roaming, that was some verite of sound, the sound of a cell phone. So every year I go to WWC or Macworld and I spend a fortune on data roaming, and now you guys all had to come here and you finally get to experience what we experience every year, and it's not pleasant. There's no LTE data roaming agreements, which might be a good thing because the data would be so... Imagine how many millions of dollars used. your bill would be. But it's just, there's, there's no sensible way of doing it yet. My data roaming was 
a dollar a megabyte unless I pay $10 a month and then it goes down to a dollar a megabyte, which is still insane. I don't, what, that sounds. I don't even know. What I don't even there. understand. You're, is that a Canadian dollar? I, I broke down and bought a Verizon iPhone because it was cheaper than me roaming. I think that's the telling thing: is that you ended up buying a Verizon phone, in a U.S. Verizon phone. Yes, because it was cheaper. What did you guys do when you came here? I, I um, I've been testing out iOS 7's features that let you turn off access to the cellular network for for individual apps, and I turned it off for all every app except Maps. And what I found is that the phone still uses data. There's still stuff. Well, there, going there's on. system services stuff too. Yeah, right? and you, and you can't, can't turn, turn that, that off. off. And so I used, you know, I, I bought, I did buy AT and T's like sixty dollars. You get three hundred and fifty megabytes of international data plan, which is a terrible deal, but it's better than the alternative. But you know, in the I think literally coming here from the airport, I used five megabytes. I mean, it's just, and that's with everything turned off except maps. So it's not, even with iOS 7, at least you get a little more granular control. But it, I'm still back to having roaming data turned off unless I need to load a map. And then at least when I turn it on, I know that all the other services on my phone aren't hitting. All my other apps aren't just madly pulling data but it's still really annoying and you know T-Mobile just uh, announced a very interesting thing which is that their customers are going to get the ability to to access 2G networks when they roam and I know everybody looks at that and thinks well they're slow and awful but it's actually kind of brilliant because if I don't have to pay hundreds of dollars extra to load a map when I'm (laughs) because who who is traveling internationally and doesn't need to load a map you can spend time instead of money it's natural so I'd much rather do that Um, so I'm I'm encouraged by that 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 may may force the hand of some of the other carriers because otherwise if you've got a locked phone you know, buying a buying a SIM card won't help you because your phone is locked. So, so you know, it's unfortunate. Yep, and I have to say, like at least now, AT and T's roaming data is at least semi reasonable. I go to Nova Scotia fairly often because a bunch of my family is in Canada, and every time that I would go up till I think last it was last year that they raised the the data cap that you could have, but before it was thirty dollars for twenty or twenty five megabytes. <laughs> So normally I'm not in favor of force quitting apps on your phone, but what I would do before crossing the border is I would pull up my multitasking bar and I would quit every single app and then keep cellular data turned off and then only turn it on for, like you said, for brief points. Yeah, to load maps or to load Twitter once and then turn it immediately off again. And of course, you'd have to reset the cellular usage statistics so you could see, oh, how many is how many packets are being sent, how many are being received, how do I add all of those things up? Thankfully, I will say that you know iOS seven, their new cellular data usage screen is really awesome because it actually shows your regular data used and then your roaming data used, and there are two separate uh, views for that now, so you yes. don't have to reset your entire statistics if you want to see exactly what's going on. Um, but I'm I'm in much the same boat. Um, I thought about unlocking my phone and getting a SIM card because Dan did that last year. Uh, but it would have cost me more to unlock my phone and then buy a SIM card and pay for a cheapo plan than it is to just pay the $30 for one weekend. If I was visiting Canada regularly, like you said, um, Renee, it makes kind of sense to like either have an American phone or to pay the extra money to unlock your phone and get a SIM card, but for one-off trips, like as much of a rip-off as 30 bucks for 120 megabytes is, it's kind of what you have to do. Yeah, I, I do have an unlocked uh, iPhone 5, actually, but I did not get to a store to buy a SIM card for it, so yeah. I'm kind of on the Wi-Fi-only plan right now. But earlier this year, I went to uh, Italy and used an unlocked iPhone 4, 
Um, which was alright, but the, the problem there is you just end up switching between, like, it doesn't have all your stuff on it, so, like, you gotta carry both your, your current iPhone and your unlocked iPhone, and, you know, you have to set it all up, and it's not as nice, it's slower, it's clunky, and so all of those things combined. I think this is just one of those places where, in ten years or less, we'll look back and be like, oh, wasn't it funny when we used to have to do this? Because I think that we'll, we'll, we'll move towards something more like what T-Mobile is doing, where there's at least sort of a general assumption that you go to another country and you have some access to data, but not necessarily like speediest data or you don't have a huge cap. But there, it's going to be impossible to deny, especially with so many people who travel internationally. I have a cousin who flies all around, all around the world for business. I don't know what he does, but I got to imagine that he's got like either some crazy plan through his business or, you know, he's, he's come up with some other methodology for dealing with it. So, so that's why it costs is they figure the people traveling internationally, either their business don't is, pay the money. is paying for it or they can afford to travel internationally. But there's so but many tourists now who go to another country and yeah. expect to be able to use their and smartphones because everyone now has a smartphone. Yeah. Yes. That I think it's just the way it's going. And so, uh, well, it's like I, internet access. It used to be you had to find an internet cafe somewhere yep. and sit down on a really nasty terminal. When I lived in the UK, yeah, we, I had to search out for the uh, the Wi-Fi. And now there's just Wi-Fi. Yeah, and it's everywhere, and it's great. <laughs> and I mean, and I think that's where we're going with smartphones. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. It'll it'll get better, Renee. It'll get better. It cost me nine hundred dollars at WWDC for wow. Renee. Yeah, and that was me being light on my normal internet usage. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's a problem to be solved here. It'll happen. All right. Eventually. Disruption. All right. My turn. My my. I've got an easy one, which is uh, predict what we'll see at Apple's uh, theoretical uh, press event that's supposedly happening in a roughly a week's time. What what are we What are we going to see? And I'll I'll start and say I'm hoping for a Retina iPad Mini. But what I the thing that I'm I'm more sure we'll see is a, a, a new generation iPad that is smaller, uh, more in the style of the iPad Mini and lighter, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because I hold a full size iPad now and I think whoa this is a huge thing so I think but the screen looks great them slimming <laughs> it down the screen looks great but that's it but I, I'm uh, you know there there are a lot of other things that might happen Mac announcements and, and iOS announcements and I'm just wondering you know. A prediction or what you're what you're wishing for, Ren? Jason, I too think and really hope for a Retina iPad Mini because God knows I love my iPad Mini, but looking at the screen and then looking at my fourth generation iPad in respect, I'm like, oh, oh, this is so hard to look at. Um, but First my problems. yes, I know. <laughs> it's, my life is so we hard. Not Retina enough. <laughs> but I mean. Maybe unsurprisingly, given what I do for a living, I really, really hope that Apple takes this to introduce a new version of iBooks and a new version of iBooks Author. Uh, partially because I think it's long overdue, and with Mavericks, iBooks Author support is going to be built into iBooks on the Mac, and that means that the only device that Apple would not be supporting is the iPhone. So I'm really kind of hoping that we see another iteration of iBooks Author. They do this usually around, I mean, I believe they did the last uh, new version of iBooks Author at the last iPad event last year. So it's entirely plausible, I think, that they could take the moment to be like, oh, here are our new, you know, here's our new iLife suite, all updated for iOS 7. Here's iBooks. P.S. You can read a light version of iBooks author books on your iPhone. Um, I just, I do want to see more, um, more updating of the iOS software that they left out. So iBooks as well as the iWork suite and maybe an updated version of GarageBand and iMovie for iOS 7. So not much, in other words. Oh, no, no I, just a few things. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I'm actually willing to, to bank on the, the Retina iPad Mini because I feel like it's the last iOS device in the lineup that doesn't have a Retina display, and I can see Apple wanting to move everything to a Retina display just so it doesn't have to deal with that as a factor. Um, and I think the if you use iOS 7 on an iPad Mini, it looks really kind of 
cruddy compared to any other Retina display. It looks quite nice on a Retina display. It's really made for one. Yeah. But the uh, the iPad Mini, it looks it looks kind of fuzzy and stuff like that, and it doesn't. Those fine lines don't translate as well. So I I have a strong feeling, even though it will be you know potentially expensive. I don't know if they're willing to finally take you know a, a smaller margin on one of these things, but I feel like it's a possibility. Uh, the other thing I'd be interested in seeing is I don't know if they will. They've done some uh, nice updates to the Apple TV software recently, so I feel like it's probably, you don't expect like a huge revision of that, but I would love to see something interesting in that realm. And there have been rumors about, you know, a new model of the set-top box. I don't know what they'd add at this point because the last revision was very, very small, just adding the 1080p. So I would love to see something in that department, and, and I think we'll see, you know, we'll see a recap on the Mac Pro and Mavericks, almost certainly with those both being released in near proximity. That's my guess. Uh, like Serenity and Dan, my retina smoothed eyeballs get scratched by the iPad <laughs> Mini now. They're just too sensitive. So I would love to see that too. I mean, it's really hard because that many pixels with a device that small getting all the stuff to power it. But, you know, it's, it's about time. It feels like that should happen. Uh, what I'm curious about is whether they keep the current iPad Mini on the market and drop the price like they did with the iPad 2, because that would let them maybe make a Retina one more expensive and, you know, have the best of both worlds. So those of us... The problem with, is it's an iPad 2 inside. It's, like, so old now. Yeah, will the iPad 2 go away? Because they've been keeping that thing. I mean, that thing's on life support and it's still being sold. And I'll say, like, my current generation of iPad Mini, you know, it's it's maybe it has older uh, technology in comparison to the fourth generation iPad, but it's still a pretty speedy little machine. Like, it still can do a fair amount of stuff. The two, iPad 2 and iPad Mini are the best gaming iPad still, and then the iPad 4 and then the iPad 3, because the pixels are such an overhead that the GPU just can't keep up. So, like, if you want a game, you still want the old ones. The other thing I'd really like to see is I want Apple to do a 4K display. Because doing a Retina iMac is not possible yet, so that means no Retina Thunderbolt display, but 4K is lower resolution than Retina, but it's still a great marketing term, so they could get away with cheating that entire right, right, generation right. of it products. It totally depends how close you sit to it. <laughs> Absolutely. From back there, it's Retina. And usually, here. usually whenever they have a TV room, it turns out to be a display, because it seems analysts can understand that you can use panels for things other than right. television sets. Yeah. So it seems like you know if you're going to have a, a Mac Pro that supports three 4K displays, you want a nice shiny Apple logo on some of those displays. Probably be selling some at a nice margin. Yes. All right, I'm satisfied with these predictions. I'm going to be broke. One more topic. <laughs> oh, goody. Um, well, my, um, my topic is a little off the Apple path, uh, although it's semi-related, and I wanted to talk about Nest's new product, the Nest Protect, which is their reinvention of a smoke detector. And I read this, you know, the morning that the announcement was made, and I'm like, oh, actually, that's kind of cool. And, you know, I, I really appreciate what Nest has done with, with thermostat, even though I can't personally use it in my, in my apartment. Um, but I also, you know, I'm a little hesitant about it because I currently have a smoke detector in my house that speaks and says things like, fire in office, beware. Get out. And, yes. And, you <laughs> know, evacuate. Evacuate. As we discovered when we tried to cook some pizza and it overheated um, and there was a little bit angry. smoke. It got, it was beeping, like our, it was yelling at us for a good uh, 30 minutes before we could shut it off. And I'm like... Even in a nice, soothing voice that's heads up, there's fire in the kitchen. I think I might throw something at it before uh, before too long. So I'm just curious what uh, what everybody else on the panel thinks about that. I, I really love the idea, and I love the idea of this company that is exploiting all these areas that people don't really think about, but they use every day, like thermostats and smoke detectors. Um, and I love the idea of one that's slightly smarter and lets you do things like that. Was it like you wave your hand under the protect and it turns off the alarm? 
because I mean I'm pretty tall but I still usually have to climb up on a chair to get to the damn thing and I'm uh, like teetering up there as I try to figure out how to take batteries out I just throw things yeah it's just, <laughs> it's, it's it's so annoying and the, I agree that the voice that yours gives is like terrifying it just scared the crud out of me um, and I you know I think that's an area that's a something that we all we all live with and we all deal with this and it needs to be improved but the people who are in the market already have no they have no skin in the game there's no reason for them to improve it they've already made what they think is the best one so you need somebody to come in mess with them a little bit and figure out a way to make them do something that's better so I'm I'm, I'm interested in checking it out I just wish it wasn't like 150 bucks or whatever I think it's great too and I like the idea that Tony Fidel the godfather of the iPod is making products that a lot of companies don't care. Like, they don't care to make a good version of a product. They make whatever they've been making for the last 50 years and you stick it on the thing and if you have 15 smoke detectors in your house you're happy that it's cheap and consumable but uh, this stuff needs to evolve. We all want to have like the Tony Stark house and to get there it's going to take people like Tony Fidel making literally one product at a time um, and I think it's fantastic. I, I could not get a Nest that was not compatible but I'm going to investigate this smart detector. I was not compatible with the Nest. The guy came over. Yeah, it was sad. <laughs> you don't have the right wires. Sorry, man. <laughs> but the smoke detector looks like a great thing, and uh, I live in a small enough place that I, I'm definitely going to try it out. Yeah, I'm supposed to have, I think, uh, a smoke detector in the hall and in all the bedrooms, and you know, it it starts to add up, right? Yeah. If you if you get a bunch of these, I have a Nest and I love it. So for me, I think uh, the only uh, and it will work I think it's with great, your Nest, yeah, too, right? Yeah, it works right? with like the Nest, although cool. it's not quite as... I, I expected it. It would be nice if it was a, a remote temperature sensor, so sure. you can, you know... And, and all that stuff is going to come. I like the fundamental idea. Even if this product may or may not be for me, I like the idea of trying to reinvent these terrible products that w- that that are, to Renee's point, uh, the same ones we've been seeing for 20 years or 50 years with very little innovation, and having Nest come in and, and disrupt... The space, the Internet of Things. You know, get get away, you crappy. And and people hate their smoke alarms. Even the modern technology ones are are terrible. Uh, People rip them off the wall in frustration. And so I think good for them for doing that. All right, I think that's uh, that's our four topics. We have time for a a very short uh, bonus topic, which we like to do here, right, Dan? We do. I love to do a bonus topic. I have a I have a bonus topic. Or shoot. Okay, tell me your favorite thing about Canada, because we're in Canada. Mm -hmm. Serenity, you have Canadian family. You're basically half Canadian. Tell me, what's your favorite thing about Canada? That would be cane sugar, Coke, and cane sugar candy, but specifically Smarties, because you can't get them in the U.S. Uh, I would go with um, maple syrup (laughs) and mousse. Not not like mousse with maple syrup on it. Not chocolate mousse, but like a mousse. And Renee, you live in Canada. I live in Canada. So my favorite thing is that it gives me shelter and the ability to like live and exist in this world. Well, that's a pretty basic thing to like about Canada. And I also love the food. All right, fair enough. Does uh, poutine? Put, poutine so is beef? not a bad invention. It's the Tony Fidel of French fries. Oh, all right, fair enough. It's in our Tony Stark houses with our Tony well, Fidel. Jason, French what's your favorite thing about Canada? My favorite thing about Canada is William Shatner. And with that, I think we've run out of time for this crazy live edition of Clockwise. Uh, I would like to thank the person to my right who is not Clockwise for me at all because we did it backward. It's Renee Ritchie from iMore. Thank you so much for being on our thank live podcast. And thank for being such a wonderful host here in Montreal. Thank you, guys. And to our guest, Associate Editor Serenity Caldwell. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And as always, we remind you to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Even in Canada, they have clocks. Do they go in a different direction? (laughs) Metric clocks. I'm not sure, Dan. We'll see you next time.